My friends, my friends, welcome in. I am flying solo today, Han Solo style. Uh, we are not swinging a white saber. We are swinging a joint here on Benzinga's Cannabis Insider. Uh, some of us wish, some of us don't. Uh, producer AT is is somewhat with us. He didn't really want to pop on. I'm making him. But if you're here, join me. Uh, give me some questions in the chat. Give me some cannabis stocks to look at. We have several just getting absolutely destroyed today in the market. I'm, I'm laughing to keep from crying. Um, obviously, if you guys at all keep in touch with cannabis news, uh, if you don't, uh, Benzinga is where you need to be to keep up to date on stock news. A few plugs, and then we're going to jump into some stocks to watch uh, for the rest of the week. <laughs> Luckily, it's not too much longer, so the pain is not going to last. Um, but Benzinga.com slash cannabis. Our, normally, my co-host Javier Hase is on with us. Uh, he is in Colombia, uh, just speaking at events, doing his thing, being the best cannabis reporter out there. His team drops 40 plus articles a day on Benzinga.com slash cannabis about public companies, about private companies, about legislation, uh, about international news. It's all there for you. Uh, we have two podcasts. This bad boy you can find on Apple, Spotify. We also have like a five to seven minute update every morning on cannabis stocks. Check it on LinkedIn, Twitter, whatever. And last but not least, bzcannabis.com. Come join us in Chicago, September 13th and 14th. Every major multi-state operator, which is the largest companies in the cannabis space in the U.S. International companies will be there, such as Aconda, such as Flora Growth, and so on and so forth. Village Farms. So we'll have the whole gambit. Again, we're going to have four or five U.S. federal politicians there. Uh, we're going to have celebrities like Mike Tyson again. It's going to be insanity. You got to be there. September 13th and 14th, bzcannabis.com. Born to be free. Thank you for joining in, man. Uh, awesome, awesome to have you with us. Drop me a cannabis stock or two. But before we get on to our guest today, who I hope he's brought some uh, product to show us, and hint, hint, backstage, Sean, uh, would love to see some examples of, of your product if you have it with you. Uh, should have told him before. That's my bad. Uh, but let's chat a little bit about Akerna and uh, Canopy. God love them. Two NASDAQ-listed cannabis stocks. We don't get a whole lot of them, uh, but the ones we do get, we just hope for a little bit of positive movement here and there. Uh, Akerna stock plummets following a $10 million public offering. That's K-E-R-N on the NASDAQ. Um, I got to tell you, I am an Akerna fan. I love Jessica Billingsley. I think she's a phenomenal CEO. Um, with, with that, it's it's tough to swallow. One of the major tech stocks that is one of the longest running tech stocks, I should also say, uh, you know, making a move like that. And also Canopy, born to be free. CGC, you called it out before we got there, my friend. Uh, but Canopy growth getting absolutely annihilated today, down 18%. Shares are trading lower uh, because they announced uh, an agreement with holders of approximately $198 million uh, for convertible notes. Uh, thank you, Aaron, very much for pulling that up. Um we all knew we had not seen the floor for canopy growth. Um, we had hoped that this uh, type of day <laughs> would not be a part of that movement, though. Aaron, check out Akurna for us. I think they're down somewhat 55%. Um, wow. God, just hurts me a little bit to say that because I love this company so much. Uh, but they have not seen a positive trend in quite some time uh, overall. So, 
Uh, keep an eye. I mean, I'm not going to lie. If you're looking for value stocks, Akrena could be one for you. And I think Canopy as well. But it's hard to convince people who have been actively investing in the space of that. Um, so a couple other things to look at that are somewhat less depressing. At least we'll, we'll try to be a little bit less depressing for you. Advertising. Cannabis companies may be able to advertise soon. And honestly, we're going to talk to somebody coming up next. Uh, who I think is building something that uh, could seriously benefit uh, from this. Uh, But the FCC's well-known stance being that they do not want to advertise federally illegal uh, products. Uh, But per editor and publisher magazine, House lawmakers added language to a spending bill for the FCC that would block the FCC from preventing broadcasters from running ads for cannabis products in states where they are illegal. <laughs> um, all right, born to be free. They've delayed, diluted themselves too much and could they get bought out? More possible, I think, for a Kerna, maybe uh, a reverse takeover um, than I think for CGC. I think CGC is too big of a name. They have too big of investors being Constellation brands for that to be an option, at least in the near term, unless Constellation wishes to divest that investment and recoup some money. I still don't see that being an option prior to the U.S. reaching full potential in the cannabis market. So I think CGC for the moment is not under that type of um, M&A potential. Um, but I do think Akerna, it is something that is possible, I, I would say. Um, you know, I think Akerna, we'll, we'll see more news coming out for them in the, in the coming days. Um, but with that, with Cannabis ads, y'all, this would affect every single company out there. You can take your pick. My picks would probably be the top leading MSOs. Um, Actually, you have some of them pulled up right there on your watch list there, uh, Aaron. Thank you very much. Um, But this is really great news, really good news for the industry and great news um, for companies themselves. But obviously, not done yet. We'll see. So... Um, let's see what else is going on. We do. So we are neutral. Benzing is a neutral site. We do not, uh, pick sides when it comes to politics here. We just want to report. So in that sense, Tilray, uh, along with several others are offering their employees, um, money and support for reproductive healthcare. If they need to travel for paid time off. Um, I have not seen a major change uh, in Tilray stock today, I think they're down five and a half percent. It could be uh, for a lot of reasons because the market overall is just not having a great day. Um, so with that, I don't know if this really affected it too much uh, from a politically investment standpoint. Um, but that being said, something to keep an eye on. Others that have done it, so there's Leaf Trade, Vangst, um, Matteo, uh, all three very reputable companies in the industry. However, all three private. This is the first major public company I have seen uh, to release this, similar to a Dick Sporting Goods, not in cannabis. All right, y'all, let's see. Texas. We'll end here because uh, why not end on a Texas story? Seems everybody else is nowadays. Uh, Texas doing what they do, banning smokable hemp products. A Supreme Court judge uh, said, fine, okay. Uh, news per high times but could lead to millions lost in tax revenue. If I'm looking at this from an investment standpoint, uh, from a stock standpoint, the one I'm really looking at is Village Farms, NASDAQ listed VFF. Um, They are both a produce provider as well as a cannabis company. 
Um, they are a really, really solid company. I love Village Farms. They've had it as rough as anybody else has in the Canadian sector, uh, but they acquired a hemp company based in um, Texas. So it's going to be interesting to see strategy, how they react to this. Um, obviously, the goal here being marijuana in the state of Texas, but you know that is um, it, it has to be in complement with the hemp side as well right now. So interesting to see. With that being said, Oh, man, I like to hear myself talk, but that was just a lot. Um, all right, Born to be Free, thank you for your comments in the chat. Y'all, anybody else watching, drop your cannabis stocks in the chat. We have two interviews for you today. The first is live with Sean Gold, uh, the CEO uh, of Pilgrim Soul. Uh, really, really cool company and pretty unique from anything we've had on prior to this. And I can't wait to have him on shortly. Then right after that, I chatted with an amazing recruiter in the industry, Brian Passman, uh, the head man, because there is also a head woman uh, of Hunter and Esquire executive recruiting firm. Uh, so with that being said, we have two awesome uh, discussions. One, we're going to talk about brands. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, his approach to the industry. Uh, and then the second, we're going to talk about uh, employment, recruiting, and hiring trends uh, that are very, very poignant right now, given how cannabis compares uh, to regulated industry. So that being said, let's bring somebody else on. <laughs> what do you think? I'm ready for it. I think you guys are ready for it. Uh, as always, drop your stocks in the chat. Uh, with that being said, Aaron, let's bring Sean right over. There is the man. Did you get hired? Did you get as tired as I did just listening to me talk for 10 straight minutes? It was very tiring, yes. <laughs> <laughs> the transparency, Sean. The transparency. This thing is actually much much harder than talking. <laughs> it's live, man. You just got to go with the flow, right? Um, but that being said, Sean Gold, CEO and founder of Pilgrim Soul. Sean, give us a little insight, man. What are you doing in cannabis? Yeah, so you know, Pilgrim Soul is the first I would say probably the first brand dedicated exclusively to creative performance in the cannabis space. Cannabis is great for creativity. The research is light, but you know, the case studies are immense. You know, probably like half the songs on Spotify would be gone without cannabis. Fair so enough. It, it doesn't take a leap, but you know, cannabis is great for like, it lights up the frontal lobe, gets neurons firing in a more uninhibited way. And it represses an area of the brain called the dorsolateral prefrontal cortex which is the judgment area of the brain does not mean that all your ideas will be good. It just means you'll have more <laughs> ideas. Don't, I would say like, don't email your boss while you're high with your ideas. Wait for the, you know, evaluate the verification process when you're not high. Um, but it, you know, so it's really great for that. Um, I work with some of the top scientists in cannabis, these guys at abstracts labs in California. <clears throat> Love abstracts. Um, we analyze hundreds of different strains and index high for creativity. Uh, like um, really pulled data from Leafly and a bunch of other sites based on survey data, bought the flower, made 3D models of the flower. And then we sort of mapped the terpene and cannabinoid profiles back to various states of mind. So some rank really high for creativity and focus. Some rank really high for creativity and relaxation. And then, so we created these different like nuanced brands. Like this is my creative reflection blend, blend which is obviously about more like looking inside yourself, this is creative, you know, our creative focus blend, which is like 
obviously index is high for creativity and focus, very sativa driven. People use it for productivity. So we, we did all that and, and we realized that, you know, if even if we've, we have some of the best science around what we're doing, you can still smoke our creative reflection blend and think about your car payments or your mortgage. Like there's no guarantee you're going to have a creative experience. So we decided to create curriculum meant to be used while you're high to enhance the efficacy of cannabis and creativity. And it's interesting because this, you know, this was an afterthought and it became this phenomenon. You know, we, we launched this first book, uh, Please, it says, it's very polite. It says, please use this journal while you are high. And it was very nice. Yeah. And it's full, you know, it's full of creative exercises, not a blank journal. It's full of like pro tips and creative exercises. And it's whimsical and funny, concise, you know, fun to do while you're high. Um, so with this thing, we we put it out and it became like top 500 bestselling book on Amazon last year. We did well over 6 million in sales on this journal meant to be used while you're high, which is kind of interesting because when I was raising money for this brand in like 2019, a lot of the investors were like, I don't know if getting high and being creative is a thing. But now <laughs> They've never been high. Yeah, exactly. So, and then that, and I was like, well, it's a top 500 best-selling book on Amazon. So I think it's a thing now. Um, so were you high when you wrote it? I just have to, I just um, have to ask. And, and partially I like to get high when I edit more than when I write. <laughs> Fair like, enough. Editing, so you tested it out essentially in the editing process. Oh, totally. I mean, I. It's hard to like, kind of a lot of the ideas popped into my head. Like, oh, that would be an amazing exercise. Like, urban insult where people can make up their urban, you know, their own like urban dictionary insults. We'll give them words. This is from I did another one with Martin Lawrence, the comedian, which recently came out, and so I was going back and forth with him and riffing, obviously. Cannabis was an aid, uh, but then went back to my lair and kind of really developed the tactical aspects. And, the, you know, there's a lot of formulaic stuff to make this stuff work and research behind it. I'm not great at researching while I'm high. Um, Fair enough. What's been really interesting is that this brand, this non-cannabis brand, uh, well, let me back up a little bit in that before I... You know, before I was in cannabis, I was like CMO of MySpace and launched blogs like Engadget and was CMO of a company that a uh, billion dollar e-commerce company, Fabletics and Rihanna's lingerie brand. So I had a really cool, a lot of really cool jobs. CMO of MySpace. I mean, the other stuff is really cool, but MySpace, I mean, that that just, wow. Take Go, go for it, though. Take it. Yeah. So that was, yeah, that was a CMO of MySpace. I was there from like 25 million to 110 million users. So it was really in the heyday of that company. Uh, it was a phenomenon. I mean, did was, you know Tom? I did know Tom. I did know Tom. <laughs> was he a friend? I'm sorry. No, I can't. Yeah. We can't. That, that's not he about your shoulder at me. The, uh, the, uh, yeah. So, so did that. And then, but I, I've always used cannabis in my career for creativity. Like I, you know, I've, I've used it for ideation and innovation and brainstorming. It's been a real asset to me. Uh, throughout my life, uh, really in business. So I started advising companies like Charlotte's Web and MedMen early on, and then a company called Lowell Farms, then became the CMO of Lowell Farms and helped them scale that business. And was that before the merger? Way before the merger. Yeah. Way before. So like the Lowell Herb Co. Like Lowell that. Herb Co. 
Yeah. 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 Awesome. Yeah. And it, what really became clear to me if, when I was there was that the next wave of cannabis brands were really going to be mission driven, like have a strong belief system. And really the opportunity was to own a vertical, try to be a category king that just being like the cheapest live resin or the highest THC was just a race to the bottom. There's, you know, thousands of products that have the same active ingredient and differentiating, figuring out how you can differentiate was really the thing. So I, I tested this uh, creative blend, uh, did a collaboration with Notorious B.I.G.'s kid, Chris Wallace. And we, we, I gave him like seven different strains, said smoke them, rank them. We mixed those together, put that in the marketplace, gave a portion of the proceeds to the California Prison Arts Project. And it was a hit. We sold like 10,000 packs in a week. So it's, wow. all right. Nice. Yeah, we got something. So I, so um, we saw that, and then the bud tenders loved it. They loved the story. They loved like the, the social justice aspect of it. So that's what that was how I, I further formulated this brand, Pilgrim Soul, um, to help people tap into this like innate creative explorer that's kind of born into all of us, but we totally repress it. We lose it. Number one TED talk of all time is by this guy Kenneth Robinson. And it's how schools have killed creativity and we desperately need to bring it back. Huh. And it's really about like, we're all born creative. It's just like, you know, 95% of kindergartners are expert level creative, but like, you know, 5% of sixth graders are, and you know, they learn, you know, we just learn not to. So, and then in this world of like AI and outsourcing, you know, creativity is one of the few things that humans do better than computers, making these weird nonlinear connections. And so it's like, it's an essential skill that uh, is really more and more needed and will be more needed. Cannabis is a great asset. Um, so we're, we've been able to, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of talking like you were in the beginning of the show. Honestly, it's, I'm, we're going to recap. Don't you worry. But I was going to let you keep going for a little bit. So thank you. So we've been able, one of the problems in cannabis is you can't advertise. You know, you can't, you, you can't, even if you can't advertise, it's not efficient. The most efficient advertising mediums out there are Google, like Facebook and Instagram. Um, you can't use those. Uh, the legislation you talked about is going to be more like local media, TV, and radio, mm -hmm. which has some efficiencies to it for sure. Um, but it's not like digital media. Um, and it's all FCC issues that these guys are scared of. So you can't advertise and you really don't own the customer as an, as, as a, uh, you know, the retailers own the customer. So it's like, how can I, how can I promote this brand, build a national brand, try to be the category king in cannabis for creativity and then own my customer and have a direct relationship so much so that I can actually say, Hey, you know, cannabis brand retailer, like I can help you. I have, and we do, we have over 110,000 customers. We probably have, a, well, we have over 170,000 customers, but about 110,000 people that have opted into a relationship with us. So we How do, they do that. Is it like that? loyalty marketing? And yes, we, do. we have a big CRM marketing, like 30, probably 35% of our business now maybe 36% comes from our existing database and that's growing. And it's really, as we add more products, we elevate lifetime value, elevate the, you know, average shopping cart. Um, so even if we, I mean, we make money from our advertising, we only have like a 30% gross margin after advertising, but we also get this customer in our database, which, you know, you know if we spay, spend, I don't know, 35, 40 bucks to acquire the customer, um, you know, it's got this long-term value to it. Can I ask, uh, just sorry to cut you off, but I'm curious. So you, you said 
in the, the, the first in 2021, I think with the book sales was around 6 million. Um, right. as you just mentioned cannabis sales, obviously is going to be much more lucrative. Has that reached the level of the book sales at this point? Uh, no, I mean, we just really launched uh, cannabis in California in uh, really the beginning of this year. I had it floating out there, but we, I think we didn't have any salespeople or anything. So it was difficult. So we brought you know, we brought in some salespeople and we're, we're scaling the band pretty quickly. We've gone from like eight to about 60 stores in California. Reorder rate is about 34% on a monthly basis. Um, and our reviews are like anywhere from 4.8 to 5.0 out of five at, at every mm-hmm. retailer. It's really, in, you know, California is a hard market for brands. Like it's crowded. It's, it's really cutthroat. So us getting that traction has said a lot about the strategy in that, you know, we're, we're only vertically focused on creativity. So they're like, oh, we, you know, most of them are like, we haven't seen this. We don't have that. And, and a lot of them are also like, oh, we all have your journal. Every bud tender already has your journal. <laughs> so they, well, they, could you sell your journals in the dispensaries? Is that something that is possible for you? Oh, totally. We sell them in about 400 dispensaries around the country. Oh, nice. um, Cresco. Uh, a lot of big chains have it, Native Roots, um, and then a lot of small chains, bookstores. And then kind of piggybacking off that, um, you said that that was your first book that you showed us. Yeah. More yeah. than one. Yeah, we have another one. We have this one, which is with Martin Lawrence, which is right. Um, uh, also, please use this. Also, super polite. Very polite. You're a very polite company. This one's a little funnier, and we created it so you can do this stuff, some of these exercises with friends, like there's a you know, rap battle sort of challenge thing in here. And um, and then this artist is done by uh, an artist, Howard, graduate Howard from Washington, D.C., inner city artist that, you know, Martin and Program Soul are sort of bringing along. So that's another part of our mm-hmm. strategy. It's like our social justice program is putting, paying, you know, we, we do mini endowments with different inner city artists, put them on our packaging, our cannabis packaging. And then this is a new product, which is a huge hit. Like our our, our acquisition on this is number like. Is that books. a coloring book, Sean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Please color while you are high. I might actually get my wife to partake at some point now that there's a coloring book for her. Oh yeah, well, anybody can color clearly. We got like badass and. This is great. So Sean, tell me from a business angle, and you put these awesome books in dispensaries. You work with Cresco Labs as an example. You know, being a brand in this industry, for those that don't know, um, is decently asset light, very partnership heavy. Am I correct in saying that when you move from market to market? Yeah. So is that is there an open partnership that you can explore? Maybe open conversations is a better way of saying that, that you can explore with some of the partners you're working with in other state markets currently. What do you mean? What do you mean by an open partner, open partnership? In terms of taking the cannabis to partner alongside the books, is the book an entry point for your cannabis? Well, the book is value add for them. So you know, the our sort of licensing advantage with our partners, we have these customer lists. We publish a ton of content on creativity and cannabis, and, and so we rank in the top fifty. For like, we're on the first page of Google for like 50 keywords associated with cannabis and creativity. 
um, which is, and so content marketing, content strategy is super important for any cannabis brand. So, but if you Google best weed for creativity, best marijuana for creativity, cannabis and creativity will be on the first page, kind of fighting it out with probably like Leafly, maybe Weed Maps, some other, maybe Benzinga. Um, so that's part of the strategy. And, but so, you know, for any of our licensing partners, if anyone Googles best weed for creativity, you know, it's going to, we're going to be there and it's going to be an asset for them. Uh, we have these best-selling national products with really high margins. So we, and we offer those products to our partners at a really deep discount, probably like a 60 plus percent, uh, margin for them if they sell it in the stores and it allows them to do what we do. They can do, they can now advertise, you can't advertise cannabis, but you can advertise these journals and bring, you know, and say available at this retailer and it could be the cannabis retailer. You just can't. And what's interesting, these say, please use this journal while you are high. If it says the creative cannabis journal, I wouldn't be able to advertise it because it mm -hmm. says high, you can advertise it uh, because you can get high on anything. Obviously, we know we understand the implications and the nuance of that. But you can oh, get high on yoga. So, you know. Sean, we are coming down to our final few minutes here, man. Uh, it's been super insightful. So just, let's just give a quick recap to the audience here. You are a cannabis brand. Uh, that works with individual artists. You showed two of your products right there, the cases that they come in. Uh, they're super cool. Uh, you, you have creativity options. You have three books to, to work books and, and books to read and, and activate with while you're high. Um, basically, it's further engagement. You have about 170,000 uh, active customers, hundred and you said 110 or 30 that are actively. We own their you know, address, email Gotcha. 110. Uh, so honestly, you said you just started selling in January. You're growing quickly, man. This is exciting. Yeah, it's an interesting brand. I mean, I we, it's sort of, for me, it's sort of my greatest hits using e-commerce, SEO, all the, you know, learning the guts of the cannabis marketing ecosystem at Lowell. And, uh, but the, you know, the really most important, like the most important thing, like how we keep scoring other than money is impact, you know, <laughs> and we've got like tens of thousands of emails from people to just say, this got me out of a creative rut, or I did this in COVID with my mom, or, you know, the weed sort of is opening up my mind. Um, it's really, it's really been lovely to, to really, and I've been done a lot of cool stuff. Like at this point in my life, you want to do good and do well at the same mm -hmm. time you possibly can. Absolutely. Sean Gold, CEO and founder of Pilgrim Soul. Honestly, I want to have you back to talk about the landscape of marketing and cannabis because I feel like we didn't tap into your insights quite enough there. And between you and me, I got to hear more about MySpace because I think you're the first person that I've met that can say, Sean is Tom's friend and <laughs> not just Tom is our friend. Uh, but Sean, really appreciate you being here, my friend. I had him in my top eight. <laughs> <laughs> Well done. Well done, Sean. We'll talk hey, to you hey, soon, man. Be well. Y'all, that was a lot of fun. What did you think? Uh, that was killer. I mean, I didn't expect him to say CMO of MySpace and CMO of Fabletics, uh, both very well-known companies. CMO of a very popular, I think, leading pre-roll pre brand in California being Lowell Farms uh, when they were Lowell Herb Co. before the merger with Indus Holdings. Uh, but alas, I, I mean, a very well-versed executive, and I expect to see that brand in a lot of uh, a lot more media on a lot more shelves over the coming years. So keep an eye out for Pilgrim Soul and buy that man's journal. Give him some love. That thing's awesome. It's a unique approach to cannabis, and we need to see more of that. 
Awesome, y'all. So with that being said, I'm going to call it a day. Please tune in, hear about some industry trends with a good friend of ours, Brian Passman of Hunter Esquire. Him and I go into it a little bit at MJ Impact back in May. Uh, Tune in now. Thanks again for tuning in. All right, welcome back. MJ Unpacked, day two, chatting with some more thought leaders in the space, doing some awesome things. We have an executive recruiter here with us, Brian Passman, the head man, only second to his wife uh, in the business uh, from Hunter and Esquire. How are you? Doing great, Elliot. Thank yeah. you. And nailed it. Yes, Jessica is the boss. You know that. Please let her know that. that yeah. I said that, and I recognize that. Um, yes. Awesome. But let's dive in. Let's dive in. I asked a kind of a staffer the same question yesterday, but I'm interested in your thoughts. Talent across the board at economy at scale is an issue. How is that translating to your industry? Are you finding good talent for these companies, or has that been a struggle? Uh, so yes and no. Uh, we're finding talent. That's what mm-hmm. we do. It's a struggle. It 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 definitely thinking back to uh, pandemic 2020. It was it was nerve wracking for myself and other recruiters when uh, people were getting sent home. Mm-hmm. Largely, companies weren't hiring. Unemployment went way up, and I for sure was sitting around wondering, will companies need mm-hmm. recruiters? Because it stands to argue it's going to be like shooting fish in a barrel. Everyone's home unemployed. But all sectors of the economy did come roaring back. Uh, the cannabis uh, industry competes a lot with retail, leisure, and hospitality, which mm-hmm. really came back. Uh, they added uh, well over a million jobs last year. So uh, it's a pretty good time to be in talent acquisition right now. Nice. It's, I mean, we're trying to scale. It's hard to hire recruiters. And uh, I think recruiters are essential right now for these companies. You have to go hunt for talent. So uh, we definitely succeed for our clients. We're still around because we're succeeding. But it's tough because unemployment is well below 4%. I forget the phrase for it, but it's we're essentially at zero if the Department of Labor classifies it. So the war for talent is real, and um, if you're not hunting for talent and expecting them to just hit the easy apply button, then you're probably experiencing quite a struggle. The hunter hunts from Hunter and Esquire. That's awesome. Um, all right, so let's chat about what is need right now. So, I mean, I remember chatting with you probably middle of last year. It was a big, marketing was a big issue. It still is a little bit today, but has that been solved? Is marketing still the biggest need for some of these companies? Where are you finding these companies need help? Yeah, we're uh, so with with that other uh, thought. The the biggest need is in people operations. Mm-hmm. So um, we've been very busy bringing HR leaders and, and talent acquisition people into cannabis companies. In fact, uh, which we don't mind. It, mm-hmm. You know, those are those are good partners when you get the right people in place. So uh, I, I'd say hiring is most focused on people solutions for these companies and revenue generating activities. Heavy, heavy sales leader, sales chief growth officer, VP revenue, head of wholesale. What type of background do you look for in sales? Well, so right about now with where the industry is, the most of our clients, especially in plant touching, want to hire someone that's already in the industry, right? So that that unicorn candidate, as it's called, has selling experience in a mainstream industry, whatever's most relevant, typically CPG. And now they've moved into cannabis already, and they've effectively built a book of business, and mm-hmm. they know the lay of the land. 
So that's the ideal sales candidate. Okay. And, and uh, in the leadership roles that we fill, it's getting a sales leader that's built and led high-performing sales teams in and outside in cannabis and is very KPI and metrics driven and can do all the unfun sales ops stuff because we know in cannabis a lot of selling teams are just running hard. It's like your hair's on fire, do a lot of activity and hope it results in good things and not, you know, not actually uh, stopping to understand what's working and what's not and how do we organize the attacks. So we're placing a lot of people with companies that can reel the sales teams in and make sure all the talent there is really tapped into. So, I mean, I was just having a conversation though, but to your point, marketing has come back. Mm -hmm. and, and to a lot of listeners that maybe don't, um, haven't heard this before and don't view this, your, your recruiting, your talent acquisition and talent retention efforts are a brand building exercise. Mm -hmm. So yes, hire great brand builders, but also have great internal and outside talent acquisition partners and retain people because you treat people well, they're consumers, they're investors, their friends and family are all those things. You build your brand through treating people well, among other things. How is retention in the space right now? Terrible. Oh. Uh, better than right. before, but terrible. <laughs> uh, so we don't do a lot of hourly staffing, but I mean, that, that's really rough there. I, and we live in Boulder now. You know, we moved out to Colorado, and I think 60% uh, of hourly waged workers in the Colorado cannabis industry turn over in the first 60 days. Wow. That's expensive. Is it lack of education? Is it lack of good pay? But it starts from the first day, from poor onboarding practices on the first day. People make very firm uh, good or bad decisions about their employment decision in the first day. They, um, it's hard to correct that if they have a bad first day. It's really hard to recover from that. So it's onboarding, it's training. And then it's just, you know, there's a lot of incestuous hiring. If you're not paying your people competitively, they're going to leave, mm -hmm. especially at that level. The difference of 16 or $19 an hour is a big difference. Absolutely. Um, I think uh, retention at the leadership level has been corrected a lot because of a lot of the strategic HR hiring and better strategic HR practices, more focus on employee relations. Mm -hmm. A lot of companies are doing better retaining their leaders now. and pay at leadership levels is definitely caught up to the mainstream. It's no longer take a big, huge pay cut to come into cannabis. That's great. Yeah, yeah. that is great. Awesome. Uh, anything else we should keep an eye on in the next coming months? I mean, let's let's say before September, uh, should we look for any of these companies to be making major moves uh, when it comes to leadership? Yeah, I think that, I, I think, and it's not a great thing to talk about. Uh, it doesn't seem like a great thing on the surface, but I think you're going to see more companies go through more rounds of layoffs, but smaller rounds of layoffs. Uh, I've been talking to a lot of people here, a lot of HR friends who refer to this stage of the cannabis industry as get your S together mm -hmm. type of stage, yep. which means you have to cut. You can't, it looks very bad for a cannabis company to scale, 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 and then when things get really rough, let go of hundreds of people. Gotcha. That's all that people remember about your cannabis company. People are realizing now that real companies actually cut annually about five to 15% of their worst performers. That's a regular exercise that most companies and mainstream industries do. Hmm. I think we're gonna see more cannabis companies going through that exercise more regularly. Because if you cut a few or a dozen people at a time out of your organization, it's much better than just letting, letting the poor performers just perform poorly and build up and then cut 200 people at a time. That's all anyone's going to remember about your organization. Interesting perspective and well said. We have Brian Passman, headhunter at Hunter and Esquire. Uh, we're only missing Jessica today. We wish her the best, but uh, I'm sure she's holding down the, the company being the Esquire while you're here. Apparently just 
making business with everybody in the back, man. Good to have you. Thank you for having me, and uh, always a pleasure. Thank you. Awesome, brother.